form. I want to talk to you when God decides enough is enough. I've never preached this before. I went back in my database, which reaches back over 35 years, and I had never touched on this passage. It's amazing because that doesn't happen very much. It's Exodus chapter 14, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 31. And a, uh, it's, it, we learn something about God from the Old Testament. Why do we go to preach the Old Testament? Why do we preach the Old Testament? We're New Testament Christians. Because the God of the Old Testament has got a New Testament. Our brother quoted Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18 there. By him all things consist. He made everything. Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Genesis 1.1. That was Jesus. Was there. It's the same God from front to back, side to side. Um, imagine walking with the creator of all that is. The disciples had that privilege. Wow. I'm not sure they understood it, and I think God hid it from them because he probably couldn't stand it. Probably couldn't stand that knowledge. Knowledge is too much. If you're walking with the one who has thought of, invented, and created everything you see, and by the way, what you don't see, which is probably more than what you see, the unseen world, the invisible world. So, wow, to hear him teach. Yeah. Amazing. So we study the Old Testament to get a view of, of God's ways. God's ways. He let, his, he let his ways be known by Moses. Not everybody gets to know God's ways. His acts, the children of Israel, and you get everybody gets to know God's acts. Read the Bible, you can find out God's acts. But not just everybody gets in on God's ways. There's an old uh, TV, a Western one time. I don't know where it was or where it came from, but I always like the statement. The guy says, uh, I got some faults, but I got some ways. I mean, I know that statement. You know, I got my faults, but I got my ways. Anybody else? I got one here. Going one, going one, going twice. Two, I got two. I got two. I got my faults, but I got my ways. Look it up. That may be better now. Anyway, uh, once in a while in history, God decides enough is enough. I'm not sure what's going to happen November 3rd, but I am sure of whatever happens, God's going to be behind it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am sure that whatever happens, nothing will happen out of the direct, direct will of God. Are you telling me? Kamala, Kamala, whatever her name is, which is, by the way, not a black person. She's not black. She's Indian or some sort of a deal. Um, the Democrats have wanted a woman as president of the United States so bad they could squeal. Well, they couldn't get one elected, so they put one under this, a sick old man who's got partial dementia. And already Pelosi's going to get ready to do the 25th Amendment. So as soon as he gets in, they're going to declare him crazy. Or he'll just step down of his own. And she'll be president of the United States. A woman president of the United States. No offense meant, ladies. But it ain't good. And uh, yet I'm going to be able to say that that was God's will if it happens. And you will too. 
Don't say God got thwarted, the devil won. Don't say that. Because there's not there's no leader ever that God's not in. I'll prove that tonight too. Once in a while in history, God decides enough is enough. I mean that the wicked heathen have gone just too far. This could be a time we could be witnessing another great moving of God this coming November. We may be see, we may see God has had enough with the heathen. They've persecuted the children of God enough. They've made the lives of the children of God hard enough. They've tormented the souls of the children of God enough. They've mocked the children of God and their God enough. They have gotten radical enough. And God will call them out and judge them in front of God's people's eyes. This does not happen often. No, it does not happen often in history. Why? It's a good question. Because this is the devil's world. Because the devil is the god of this world. It's his system, it's his time, and it is his hour. You say, Brother Bill, where did he get that? Luke chapter 22, 53, Jesus' words. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth not no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. God allows the devil and his people to have a certain amount of freedom, a certain amount of activity. Where are they going? They're going to a place called hell, never ever to see light again. That's a long time. Forever is a long time, isn't it? So with knowing that that's the place they're going to end up without Christ, he gives them a little bit of light in his mercy. He gives them a little chance to exercise their will, to see who they are, because he's going to judge them at the great white throne judgment, and every man will stand in the light of the eyes of the judge of all the earth. And every deed they did and every idle word they said will be brought forth. And the Bible says every mouth will be stopped and they'll not be able to, there'll be no excuses to judge a great white throne. Every man's mouth will be stopped by the evidence. The evidence will be so great, so big, so wide that they will fall on their knees on that gold pavement and cry, Jesus, you are Lord. The truth is there's but one God and you're him. And so... They will come to the truth. Every living, breathing, thinking creature that's ever made will eventually all agree that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, just like Peter did. So God has given them this place and this time to do what they do, however, with limited restrictions. Once in a while, however, enough is enough. God steps in, as in our passage here in Exodus chapter 14. Maybe our election, maybe, it, maybe this is a moment where God will step back in the history of the world and do something outrageous, like he did four years ago, by the way. that was If you have not recognized that as a miraculous intervention of God, you should go back and just look at it. Out of 116 polls, 112 polls had 
Hillary winning by a landslide, not by little. According to every reliable source that knows mathematics and probabilities, they had her at a 92%, I think, or above chance of winning. Maybe it was 98. Somebody told me 98, but I heard 92. And then as the night went on, it went down to 85. It went down to 75. It went down to 60. It went down to 50. It went down to 40. And then Trump's probability went up to, from almost nothing, went up to 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 to 80. And when it got up to 90, they were like, they were beside themselves. They started just cussing on TV. They just started cussing and bleep, 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 bleep. We can't be wrong. This is not possible. And I got up at 2.30 in the morning to some good news. I thought, whoa, God did a miracle last night. And he did. At 2.30, I woke up and saw he had won. The setting here is God's children in Egypt. 430 years they served the Egyptians. They were in harsh bondage. It was a, it was a bondage of rigor. I preached on that. They were mistreated, misused, and misusing God's people. God's people cried out. They cried out for a long time. 430 years they were at Egypt. They were in bondage probably 400 of those years, maybe a little bit less. But they were not treated well for a long time. God put up with the cries of his children because they had been crying. 100 years represents about three generations of people. They figure a generation is 40 years. So uh, 120 years is, about, is, a, is, a, is a mom and dad, a child, and a grandchild. That's their life. There are three generations. So imagine, put that into 300 and some odd years, and that's a lot of people, a lot of generations crying out to God for help. And he said, no, not yet. 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 Almost, well, it ended up being 430 years of time. But finally, God heard them enough to say, it's now, it's time, I'm coming. And uh, you could parallel this some to us as we cry out to God. Uh, we would that he would hear us. But I want to show you tonight God's process of deliverance explained by the exodus from Egypt. I think you see a process. I'm always looking for patterns, patterns. When I fish, I look for patterns. When I hunt, I look for patterns uh, by the game, and that's the way you work it. You look for a pattern, and there are patterns in everywhere you look. So first of all, the first thing I see, and I got about five or six of these. First, we see God had enough of being lied about and ignored. Egypt was full of false gods. They gave credit to all these self-made gods. They built shrines to those gods that are still standing today. They worship these false gods, which were no gods, with the work of their hands. Eventually, God had enough. We go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm not reading all the whole chapter. You can go back on later on, read the whole chapter in context. You'll find what I say here is true. But I'm going to start with verse 4. For I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. Uh, they were already gone. They had already gone. God delivered them out of the ten greatest miracles possibly ever done in the world. Uh, he delivered them. He judged them. The firstborn, he judged all ten of their gods. The Bible says it. He judged the gods of Egypt with each one of those judgments. Great, great, great deliverance. God's people were rejoicing who had been under such rigor by the heathen. And, and by the way, Egypt always is equated 
symbolically with the world in the Bible. And so I call them the heathen. I'm not insulting them. That's what the Bible refers to them as. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he will follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the, God, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. This is a key statement. It is found all through the New Testament, especially in the major prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, other places. Uh, why does God do what he does? He does it to let the heathen know that he is the one and only true God. God is true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he hates error. He wants to straighten the record out. Egypt had gotten so far, so far off course, worshiping these ten gods, that they finally, he, what did he do? What was the whole purpose of the Egyptian deliverance was bringing the Egyptians back into the truth. There was one God, and it was Jehovah God. Our gods are no gods. Once in a while, the world gets so far out, and I think we're about there now, evolution, global warming, you know, we're all going to die if we don't do something. Let me say this. God's taking care of the world. They can't even predict where a hurricane's going to go. They can't predict if it's going to be one, not going to be one, with all their high technology. And so once in a while, God just does something where it says, man, God had to do this. This is God. There is a God in heaven. And by the way, we born-again Christians, we rejoice when that happens. When God shows his right arm of power, we rejoice in that. We say, glory to God. Hallelujah. That last election, I did me a little holy dance at the house. Y'all seen that before? He copied me. I don't know where he got me. He must have. They say Siri, Siri's taking pictures of you wherever you're at, so. I'm just Exodus chapter 14, verse 17 says, Behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Nebuchadnezzar. He interprets a dream. He says, this is a matter by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. And all we can say is amen, amen. Now that is repeated in chapter 4, verse 25. Uh, that is repeated in chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, we see that thought again in Isaiah 45, uh, 5 through 6. He says, I am the Lord, there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Over and over again, God in the Bible has come into history or into, into their time, and he's manifested himself to where people say, this must have been God, and there is a God. Uh, ultimately, God wants everyone to know the truth, like I said before. Secondly, he allows the heathen to threaten his people. 
Exodus chapter 14, uh, all the way through verse 5 through 10, but I'm only going to read verse 10. Pharaoh comes after the children of Israel. Now, you know, i got to take a little drink of water here. You know that Pharaoh was allowed to do that. Pharaoh was allowed to come with his 600 chariots and all these troops. God wanted to scare his people. He wanted to scare them. I sense Christians today are scared. A lot of fear among Christians. What's going to happen if Biden gets elected? What's going to happen if we lose the Senate and we lose the House? They're going to pack the court. Uh, they're going to take away, they're going to seal the deal to where we never get to come back in power again. I have heard all that talk. There's a general apprehension, a spirit of apprehension. God, to a point, God wants you to feel the heat. So that you'll do what? There's no greater motivator to prayer and to getting serious with God than feeling the heat of persecution coming your way, of something getting out of control. So it says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. The children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. You may be so afraid tonight. God wants you to see what they have in mind for you. He wants you to hear their speeches against you. God wants you to see their plans for you. God wants you to hear their cries against us. Why? So we will turn our eyes toward him, toward heaven. And uh, he's going to preserve us. And we need to understand that he and he only can save us. And we cannot save ourselves exactly the way the children of Israel felt when all the military of Egypt, which was the superpower of the day, came upon them and were going to take them back and, of course, kill those folks who rebelled against them. The third thing I notice in this passage is God uses this crisis as a filtering system to see who is who. That's found in chapter 14, verse 11 through 12. And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word which we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. That's not our forefathers' spirit. Our forefathers said, give us liberty or give us death. These are a bunch of chicken boys, little sissy boys. Bok, 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 bok. We're going to die. We'd rather be a slave to the Egyptians than to be free men. Our forefathers, God bless their soul. They had enough of slavery. They had enough of King George and the oppression he brought. They had enough of no uh, say in government, no representation, government without representation. And they were willing to jump on old rickety boats 
go across a perilous journey. Some of them didn't even make the journey. Get over here, Jamestown, they almost all died. And they, were, they would rather be free and dead than free and a slave. Oh, I like that. Where's that pioneering spirit at? Amen. <clears throat> we're their children. We're their children. I like that. Give me liberty or give me death. The unbelievers among us will be quickly revealed in a crisis as the unbelievers among those people were revealed by the crisis. Now, those people who were saying that had no faith in God. Now, they had just seen the ten greatest miracles anybody ever laid eyes on. And they're saying, why don't you just let us die in the wilderness because we'd rather die in the wilderness than have Pharaoh and his troops come and kill us. Are you thinking God did all those ten miracles, drew you all the way out here, let you go so he can have Pharaoh win the battle? No. No. Our God is a consuming fire. So those, what it is to a point, these kind of times filter out those who have no faith. Those who do not believe there is a God that can help them and deliver them. And the blame game begins. And uh, there was a, I just listened to a little, uh, little blog or whatever it was about the disease, about COVID. And they, they, you know that they, um, there's people in America that are egotistical enough to believe we can control COVID. Nobody's ever controlled the virus. Never have they controlled the virus. A virus is so, they're so small compared to bacteria. They're like, it's like air. We can only manage it. That's what we're going to be able to do. We can manage it. And we're doing a good job of managing it, by the way. The death rate on COVID is, is getting, becoming lower and lower. We're, getting, we're learning how to deal with it. We're learning how. The friend of mine went to the hospital. He probably had died in March, but he lived. And, and it's getting down into the half percent and less than that and in, in, in under 50. If you're under 50, if you die, God wanted you to die. It's time to die. Because uh, people under 50, man, they're just not dying of it. People under 60, really. Uh, and, and really, the people that are only they're losing about 15% are, are the 80 and over. And so if you're 80, it's time for you to go anyway. Oh, no, them 80-year-olds don't believe that, man. They're back there doing this. Oh, no, preacher, I want, I, want, I want to live to 5 million years old. My dad died at 80. He didn't want to die. So there's a blame game begins. It begins to filter out the people. You start hearing them blame, and they become hopeless and despondent, and there's no God, and, oh, we're in bad shape. What are we going to do, preacher? What are we going to do is we're going to trust God. That's what we're going to do. Huh. What are we going to do? We're going to do what our forefathers did. Put our head down. Work. Trust God all the way. The fourth thing I see in the passage of Exodus 14 is the faithful are revealed also. So the unfaithful are revealed, and the faithful are revealed. Verses 13, 14. Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom you see this day, you shall not see them again no more forever. Ooh. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Glory to God, I'm making happy. God's fighting for us, folks. You say, 
Man, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, they're totally anti-Christian uh, and anti- Yes, they are. But there's a God fighting for us. And there's a God behind the scenes fighting for us and been fighting for us. I don't think I'd call it quits quite yet. I don't, don't, people, last election, so I, in the, la, the day before election, people were coming to me and they had Hillary winning by 95% or whatever it was. They were saying, should I even vote? Because there's no hope for Trump to win. Should I even vote? And I said, are you kidding? Trump's going to win. They looked at me like I was crazy. I said, quit watching the TV. Quit watching fake news. Get out of the TV set and get in the book. There's a, there's a Bible. There's God is going to be on our side. He's going to help us by the grace of God. And I didn't know anything. I had no revelation or word of knowledge on that. But I just felt in my heart that by the grace of God, truth was going to win out. And they said, you, I asked five, four, five, six people, should I vote? I said, vote. Vote. We're going to win. Oh, what about all the cheating? What about all the that? There's all that. There's all that. Every there's been cheating every election we ever had. But by the grace of God, he'll overcome all of that. Fifth thing I noticed is move forward. Get your socks knocked off. That's what they did. Verses 15 through 22. Uh, it says, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking of the children of Israel, they may go forward. And so he lifted up his rod, you know the story, and the sea parted, the wind came over the night. And that's where he said in verse 17, I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and all his hosts and upon his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came, went before the camp, and he kept the, kept the Egyptians from coming, put a wall of fire between them, and put a cloud between them and the host, did a miracle right in front of them, dried the Red Sea up, put the walls of water on each side. You say, how did he do that? Well, if, if he wanted you to know, he'd have told you. He just said he did it. Oh, Grady McMurtry thinks he froze the water, froze it over the night, and there was a wall of ice. That's why when the sun rose up in the heat of the day and the Egyptians endeavored to go across, it melted and let go and took them all out. Now, I got people that get, they get upset with that. But it was just as big a miracle if it was ice or if he turned the water to concrete. I don't care what he did. He just he did that. What he did? There was a wall of water on both sides. We know that they went across on dry land. Egyptians uh, uh, went across, and he collapsed the thing on them. And they saw the bodies of the Egyptians up floating up on the shore. They didn't have to lift a finger. God did it for them. Glory to God. That's the God we serve. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Who could have guessed that God was going to do it that way? Just like you're not going to guess how God delivers us. And I'm not going to. No one can guess how guess God. God comes with his angels. He comes from different angles we never know about. And I'll tell you, I mean, when he put Trump in office, a former strip club owner, a rich man, uh, historically an immoral man, on his fourth marriage, relatively egotistical, He does not suffer from a poor self-image. But God chose this guy. And we know that biblically. There's no argument. There's no, there's no wiggle room on this. God chose him. 
And he wouldn't have been the guy I would have chosen, amen? I would have chosen a guy that was of, of a moral character and da-da-da-da-da. But God enabled him to overcome the obstacles, even COVID. When he got COVID, I saw a little light of hope in the eyes of, you know, once in a while I, I looked and I turned to fake news. I just got to see. And they were like, hey, hey you know, hey, COVID, he's, he's fat, he's overweight, you know, it could, he's, high, he's at high risk. And I could tell in the words, oh, I hope he dies. The sixth thing I noticed when God judges the heathen, he gets total victory. Look at verse 23 to 31. I'm going to start in verse 25. And he took off the chariot wheels, and they drave them heavily. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters come again together on the Egyptians, upon the chariots, upon the horsemen. And that's what happened. And said in verse 28, There remained not so much as one of them left. In verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Israel saw that great work which the Lord did unto the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord. Now this is the results of God coming once in a while as He comes and shows His power. He shows His power to the heathen that they may know He's God, and their gods are not gods. And all they got is false gods, all something of their own imagination and mythology. But he also shows his people something. That's what he did here. His people were better after they saw that. They began to fear the Lord. That means respect him for who he was, who he is. He was, he is, and he is to come. They began to respect him. They believed the Lord. Look at that. That's the second thing. They feared the Lord. They believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And they were saved. They saw the Egyptians die. They recognized God's great work. Their faith was made stronger. So I ask you tonight, how about you? Well, God, will you be willing to cry to God to save us from the heathen and their plans? Because they have plans for us. What we saw in California, what we're seeing in California and other oppressive states like Michigan, is that they want to shut us down over an excuse of health. John MacArthur has a church of 7,000 people gather shoulder to shoulder, no mass. And he's the, when he was on Fox News, he said, we do not know of one COVID case. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to get it. Well, they're not going to have big old groups of people in their church die because that's not happening anywhere. 50% of the people who have died are 80 or over so far. And so he's having good, uh, they're having services. Paul Chapel out at West Coast, uh, Lancaster Baptist Church, they're having services. Treber up there in San Francisco is having services. And there's hundreds and hundreds of little independent Baptist churches strung from the very northern part of California and southern, but you didn't know California has a lot of good old-fashioned Bible-believing people on the inside of the country, beautiful group of people all the way down to San Diego and the Hotel Coronado. And uh, they're born-again believers that are meeting. But they're under persecution. They're under, they, you know, this has just been a foreshadowing of what they really want to be able to do. 
Never in my history have I ever seen them control the church like they've tried to do this time. They've jumped right over the Constitution, separation of church and state. They have, they have trampled all over that. Our forefathers would have, there was no caveat in the separation of church and state that in a health crisis we can control you. There's no caveat. It doesn't say that. They, First Amendment. There's no caveat there. In just in case, by the way, that you get a health crisis come out, you, they can't tell us to meet or not meet. I agree with John MacArthur 100% on that. They don't have any authority to tell us to meet. Our boss is Jesus Christ when it comes to serving him now. I am submissive under their power in every other area, except when it comes to worshiping and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot give that to anybody else. The Lord Jesus who paid for me, as I mentioned this morning, he's the only one that deserves that. And you say, Brother Bill, if, well, if we, we'll end up being thrown in jail. Yeah, that's their plan, see, I think. That's the plan. To eliminate us as much as powerful. Why do, have you ever asked yourself as I finish here, why do they hate us so? Oh, because you stand for life. Well, who would hate anybody who stood for life? Who would hate anybody that wanted to save little babies? Who would hate anybody? Be crazy. Who would hate anybody that was against murder? Who would hate anybody that was against adultery? Who would hate anybody that believed in honor in your mom and dad? Who would hate anybody that wanted to be honest to their neighbor and not cheat anybody out of anything? Think about what they're hating. They're hating righteousness. They're hating righteousness, which in ultimate is the, the evil one hating God. Because that's what that's about. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against a power in high places. We know that. And so this battle plays itself out. I'm praying, I hope you're praying, and intensively pray from here to the 3rd of November that God himself would come and have mercy upon his people. But more than all that, listen to their raging against you. Listen to the way they talk about you. They act like you don't exist. There's no power in the blood. There's no power in Christianity. Oh God, show them your right hand of power. Take back and pull your sleeves up and show them that indeed you're the one that controls what's going on. There was a pollster. I read an article last week. There was a pollster. That's what he does for a living. He says, if Trump wins this election and proves us wrong again, our profession is over. And God's people said, amen. Quit polling. Quit polling. I never answer a poll. I am call me up, click, write me, click. You're not going to know my vote till, till November 3rd. I mean, unless you come to Gospel Baptist and have it on a sheet of paper, which I tell you what I was going to vote. I mean, you know, I guess I guess that you may you may find out my vote, okay? But uh, that's that's. Uh, but I'm not giving it to no pollster. And if you want to poll all the Democrats, who are you going to vote for? Biden? Oh, Biden's leading by six points. He's not leading by six points. He's behind by twelve points. But let him believe it. I love that. Oh, he's winning. He's winning. He's winning. He lost. I love that. I love that. It's a beautiful thing. May God make it so. 
and may, may the Lord uh, paint this whole country red. And then, by the grace of God, may we see some revival in America. God's people, which are called by His name, will come back where they need to come back. And we just keep it up, and God would help. Don't you want that for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? See, we old-timers, we're not going to be here all that much longer. So whatever happens, they can only hurt us a little bit. But for Corey and his little woman and his little babies there, it can be a long life. And may the Lord, may, may it be like, uh, what was the guy, I can't remember my history real well here, but the guy who said, uh, he said some good stuff. <laughs> who said, give me liberty? Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death? Was that Pat Henry? Was there one of our missionaries? Patrick Henry, remember him? Give me liberty or give me death. Oh, amen. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the few minutes together. Thank you for uh, Exodus chapter 14, where you show your hand against the Egyptians. Enough was enough. You had your fill. You weren't going to take the lies they were strewing about that Ra was God and cats were God and Dogs were God and all these false gods that they built these magnificent structures to. You were going to straighten out once in a while. You come and straighten it out. Straighten it out again, Father. Show the unsaved people there's a God in heaven. That you care about your children to the place of protecting them. Help us, O oh God. Forgive us of our sins, by the way. Our iniquities and our transgressions. My people call by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Heal our land, O oh Father. God, help us to be serious about serving you in every way we can. Thank you for the freedom we've been given. My, I take it, I absolutely do not want to take it for granted. Thank you for this freedom to meet tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's... If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.